Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water. As you know, each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture and ask ourselves two questions. What does it mean and what does it call us to do? In today's episode, A Prayer of a Righteous Person, we're looking at James chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 and what a community of faith is called to do for one another. Let's get started. We are rounding out our study in the book of James today by looking at the latter half of James chapter 5. So far in previous episodes, we have been looking at the wisdom of not playing favorites with one another by choosing our words carefully and how wisdom is in fact not intended for personal use, but for the good of others. In today's text, James concludes his letter to the members of the early church by naming the things the body of Christ, that is, the church itself, should be doing. And I think you might be surprised at some of the common misconceptions we have about the role of the church in the life of the individual. So let's start with verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. At first glance, this verse seems fairly straightforward. Okay, if anyone is having trouble, we should pray for them. If anyone is experiencing good news, then we should praise God for them. That seems like standard fare for a community of believers to do for each other. Next. Uh, But look again. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Yes, of course, we do need to pray for one another and praise God on others' behalf. But what James seems to be calling for in these concluding words in the letter is for the church to become a safe space, a true sanctuary where people can be vulnerable enough to share their troubles and feel loved enough to share their triumphs. But think for a second. Is the church always a place where this kind of community happens? Sadly, not so much. Instead of being a place where we can openly share our struggles and find encouragement, it's become a place where we have to put on a front and pretend that we are pious and living righteously because suffering means that there must be some kind of sin in our lives, right? When in reality, to suffer is to be human. It's a fact of life, and yet we can't help but feel like we will be judged for our struggles, our missteps, our addictions, our poor choices. And you know, it's also not a place where we can freely share our wins, because instead of my brothers and sisters feeling genuinely happy for me, I am sensing the eyes of judgment and even envy. And y'all, it should not be this way, but it so very often is. There's this wonderful song called Stained Glass Masquerade by the band Casting Crowns that gets at this very issue. And let me read some of the lyrics for you. It goes like this. Is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. 
I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again. So everyone will see me the way that I see them. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain? But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken, maybe then we closed a curtain on our stained glass masquerade. If you have ever felt like church people were judging you, you're not alone. We've all felt it, and frankly, we've all done it. But church, we can be better. We can truly be a community that doesn't just care in performative ways, but really sits with one another in both good times and bad. We can keep each other accountable without bringing on the judgment. So when James says to let the troubled pray and to let the happy sing, he's urging us to be a community that allows others to share, to actually listen rather than jump in quickly with our advice, to give them the opportunity to vocalize the words they want to lift up to God in their despair and also in their joy, and for all of us to join with them in true solidarity and not just duty. And this is what it means to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, as we are told to do in Romans chapter 12. Let's continue with James chapter 5 verses 14 through 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now there's so much to unpack in these two verses. So let's begin with this anointing of oil business. Does this mean that church leaders need to perform a sacred ritual in order for us to be healed? Not exactly. You see, in these times, the oil James is referring to was probably some kind of healing oil, which the poor could not afford. So once again, James is calling upon the church community to share their things to provide care. If you have the means to help someone, do it instead of keeping it for yourself. Next, let's look at this correlation between sickness and sin. Uh, Spoiler alert, there isn't one. I don't know why so many people still hold on to this notion that if someone is sick, it must be because there is unrepentant sin in their lives. I've heard this countless times growing up. Friends, you can be confident that God will not hit you with an illness because of your sin. Because if that were the case, let's face it, so many more of us should be sick and way more often too. Sickness is something that exists in the world because the world itself is broken and corrupt. It has been since the first humans rebelled against God. 
but the text says that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. This doesn't mean that sin and sickness are linked in that one causes the other. However, both are reasons to pray. And moreover, the burden of prayer is not only on the individual who is in need of the prayer, it's on the collective members of the body of Christ. In Mark chapter 2, a paralyzed man is brought before Jesus by his four friends who go through great lengths to do so. They end up lowering this man through a roof so that he can get an audience with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, upon seeing their faith, that is the faith of the friends, he tells the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Now, this, of course, perplexed all the religious leaders and, well, basically everyone in attendance. Then Jesus asks this peculiar question. He asks, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, it's 100% a trick question because neither is easier to proclaim because both are impossible. And yet, to show that Jesus had the authority and power to do both of these things, he does. He heals the paralyzed man, and he also forgives his sins. Jesus saw the faith of the man's friends to not only address his physical ailments, but his spiritual ones as well. So we, as the same kind of faith community, can invoke the name of Jesus to bring about healing and forgiveness for one another in a similar way. And speaking of more things we can do for one another, check out verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, this might sound a little scary for some of us to confess our sins to each other just seems like asking for more of that judgment thing. But I want us to understand that this once again is not a solo endeavor. It's not on any single person to simply be brave enough to share the the totality of what they're going through. It's up to the church It's up to the community of believers to create an environment where we have a high enough degree of mutual trust that confessing our sins to one another can be possible. And to confess our sins to one another is not to punish us or to expose us. James wants the believers to be able to confess to one another because of the harmful effects of secrecy. Secret sins have a way of corroding our souls, our relationship with God, and our relationship with others. That's why in any support group, members are encouraged to be forthcoming about any time they fall off the wagon. And we should also be able to share even our most painful and shameful failings Because when we do, we can find forgiveness and 
eventually be released from the power that our sins hold over us. And the latter half of this verse says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, we always take this to mean that we need to be prayed for by the most quote-unquote spiritual person in the room, you know, someone like a senior pastor maybe. But let me ask you, how would you identify a righteous person? Because a truly righteous person isn't just righteous on the outside. What makes them really righteous is on the inside, which none of us can see. So if I were to ask you, point to a righteous person in the room, you could point to anyone and you wouldn't be sure that you have the right answer, even if you were pointing to yourself. Because that's right, we have no idea who is in fact a righteous person, especially in the eyes of God. But also, we have all been sanctified and declared righteous through Jesus and through the forgiveness of sins. So when James says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, he's saying, who knows which one of you is righteous? That's why every one of you should pray. So in that way, this is yet another call to action for the entire community. So to wrap up our wisdom series in the book of James this month, what does this final chapter call us to do? Now, if you haven't picked up on it yet, the theme for today is community. And it's both to immerse yourself in a community and to build a community for others. We have to be both the kind of people someone can lean on, and we also have to find others we can trust. Now, I had the opportunity to attend an online storytelling workshop this week, and one of the speakers gave this beautiful example about how our stories impact each other. And he used this metaphor of light in photography. He showed us a series of the same photo taken with different lighting, where it was just the same image and only the light source was changing. And of course, the image looked much better in the quality golden light and just awful in terrible light. And just as a camera should seek out quality light, we also, as human beings, should seek out light in our lives. So in our case with today's text, we need to stop trying to do church on our own. Reach out to others in the faith community. Share your story, your struggles, your joys, your burdens, your wins. Ask for prayers and pray together. Stop hiding in the shadows. Stop being comfortable in dim fluorescent lighting and gravitate towards the beautiful golden light, which is Jesus. But the speaker also reminded us that each one of us are also sources of light as well. So not only should we find light, but we also need to be light to others. 
how we love, how we forgive, how we hate, how we do every small and big thing in our lives are all ways that we are projecting our light to cause others to radiate in that golden light or to overshadow them or overexpose them. As a church, it is our definitive duty to be that kind of quality light for each other. And we should be the kind of people who others could reach out to, who are available, approachable, and authentic. How's that for alliteration, huh? Available, approachable, and authentic. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That means no matter how much more wise, mature, educated, street smart, and sensible you think you are compared to others, and you very well might be, it's not our place to judge them or look down on them. Rather, we need to humbly unite together in prayer. And when all of us pray, there is guaranteed to be at least one righteous person's prayer being lifted up that will be powerful and effective to carry our entire community. Let's pray. God, we know that in life, there are many ups and downs and so many complex situations that we cannot control. And we often try to navigate these with the wisdom we've gleaned from our personal experiences, which are fine, but not as effective as the wisdom that comes from you. So remind us that none of us are better than the next person, but as members of the same body, teach us to be a true community that puts each other's well-being first that celebrates each other's wins and grieves each other's losses, to be a family of faith that without judgment turns to prayer for healing and forgiveness. Thank you for faithfully hearing each of our prayers, which you declare righteous through the saving grace given to us by your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.